Hi, this is Bobby Kamari, and I want to thank you for listening to season two of the Living in Light podcast, where the whole season is going to be dedicated to the fabulous topic of sacred sexuality. I hope it blesses your socks off. So you are joining me for the final episode of season two of the Living in Light podcast. So firstly, I just want to say thank you so much for allowing me to bring to you the conversations that I've been able to bring with some incredible guests. Thank you for giving me the honour and the privilege of actually being able to speak into your lives. And I am so excited about my conversation today with Dominic Muir, who I really am inspired by in the kingdom. He is such a voice for this generation, one that walks in uncompromising truth when it comes to the gospel. And so you are in for a treat as you listen to the final episode of season two. Dominic Muir, thank you so much for being on the Living in Light podcast. Thank you. It's a joy to be on, on this podcast. Thank you, Bobby. Oh, my absolute pleasure. I'm so excited, Dom, that you actually said yes. And I want to give a bit of backstory as to why I asked you. So today's podcast is actually the last episode of the whole season. So the whole season, as everyone knows, has been all about sacred sexuality. And anyone who's been listening to this whole season will know that I wanted to be so unapologetic about this message of sacred sexuality. I didn't want to try and razzmatazz it up. I didn't want to try and make it more palatable. I didn't want to water down the gospel just so that people didn't get offended. Like I just wanted to bring the truth of God. And I feel that that is what you actually carry and what you represent amongst so many other things. And so I feel that the Lord really wanted my conversation with you to almost be what seals this season. And so I love the fact that you said yes. And then, um, on top of that I just love your stand for the gospel and I don't even know if if you know this but I've probably known you about 15 years like I remember a couple of years after I first got saved going to Chiswick Christian Centre in Chiswick and I saw you there um and I remember you kind of like stood out to me you kind of were like this bohemian you know you always looked like you would be so at home in Glastonbury and you were just worshipping and like I was definitely curious about your backstory and um, just over the years I've seen you like just become more and more fierce for the kingdom of God and I've seen you pioneer so much amazing stuff and I definitely feel that you are such a voice for this moment in time not just um, when it comes to sexuality but gosh when it comes to everything and all the posts that you put up on social media I love how ballsy they are I love how no nonsense and truthful they are and unapologetic they are and so I want that voice over this message of sexuality and so I love the fact that you are on this podcast today and I'm excited about what you're going to release because of all that you carry well I'm excited to hear from that person as well (laughs) (laughs) I'm reading Firebrand so basically Dominic um I think you've got two books have you got two books out is that correct yeah well I've got I've got uh yeah two books I've got this one which I just went to get it's called Firebrand and uh, this is my story this is the this is my testimony in my story and then about 121 um sort of canopy 
little meals, little teachings. Yeah. yeah. I've got another one called God Hunger, which is, which is shorter. It's 60. A little bit milder. Firebrand is um, trying to do what it says on the tin. Um, and God Hunger is a bit softer, a bit uh, like an intro to that. But right. hey. Well, I'm yeah. reading Firebrand at the moment. So even though you tease and you're like, you know, oh, I'd love to meet this person. But I mean, what you walk in, you know, you talk about that in your actual book. And I mean, you've seen the power of God at work in your life in the most phenomenal way. And people can read about that in Firebrand. And then out of that comes like this beautiful place of intimacy, which I'm definitely going to want to talk about on this um, podcast with you. But first of all, Don, why don't you actually just share your story? Because in Firebrand, you do make reference to some of your story when it comes to sexuality, along with many other things. So why don't you unpack a little bit about your own story when it comes to intimacy and sexuality? Yeah, sure. I'd, I'd love to. So I was raised in a kind of nominal Christian upbringing. Um, dad on the Catholic side, high, high church Catholicism, um, old school English public school background. My mother, sort of um, low church Anglican. So we had a nominal Christian upbringing. Um, we believed in God. We went to church maybe two weekends out of a month and jumped around different churches. And so I kind of had a religious upbringing of sorts. We never prayed outside of church. Um, we certainly didn't say grace or things like that. Didn't really talk about God, but I always believed in God growing up and um, very grateful for my upbringing. Just a lot of love and fun toys and friends and just happy memories. Um, when I hit my teens, uh, I went off to boarding school and that was a full on time in many ways. Uh, it was a very exciting time. I was going to a big, famous, classical English boarding school. Uh, I was leaving home, which honestly, I think has its, it's got, it's got its good points, but I think at 13, 14 years old, going into that environment, um, being kind of taken away from your family is also, in my view now, a negative thing, um, particularly if you get faced with kind of what I ended up running into, which was a lot of just false masculine, um, bullying, shaming, competitiveness, what I would call um, survival of the fittest, really. And that kind of hits you like a freight train, but also it's almost like a contradiction in terms, but it's so, it's done softly, but it's full on. You're, you have to accept it. It's part of the sort of English stiff upper lip thing. But back to my, my story. So I took God into that environment and actually quite quickly began to pray about, you know, missing my parents or being cool enough or not being terrified by the older boys who, you know, quickly became people you just hero worship. But, you know, I was becoming a man, if you like. Those years of 13, 14 is very much a transition from a boy to a man. And I was becoming a man in an environment that, as I say, was projecting a false masculine. It wasn't a godly version of who God has called us to be as men of God, as children of God. And so long story short, I remember, you know, so a lot of the things that were, were suddenly um, currencies of coolness, currencies of acceptance, currencies of even you could call it sort of justification, a, a counterfeit justification was whether you had a porn stash. I remember being there 14 years old and, and these guys who I looked up to and everyone thought they were cool. They were like, I've got 10 porn mags. And so sort of uh, broken sexuality and lust and those kind of spirits quite quickly came into my life. And uh, not only that, I was in a house, a boarding house that had a sort of a reputation for 
homoeroticism, which oddly enough was seen as cool. So there'd been some gay house masters in this house, or at least one anyway. And it was kind of cool and funny to grab people's balls, either grab them to, to hurt them or to just sort of be cool with um, doing that because you were comfortable with kind of slightly weird quasi homoeroticism. It's hard to explain. But so that was going on. And there was a lot of debagging, which was a phrase that was used for stripping boys naked as a, as a sort of, again, a kind of game slash shaming, mocking thing. And you'd be pinned down and laughed at, and then you'd kind of scrabble to your feet, sort of pull your pants up and kind of laugh it off as though it was, you know. So there was a lot of this kind of stuff going on when I was at school. And um, this was in retrospect, and I say in retrospect, really t- almost 10 years into being saved that I start to really look back at this stuff and realize actually that was satanic, mm-hmm. shaming, abuse mm-hmm. at a major level, just dressed up in kind of public school frivolity, if you like. Cut back a little bit to my testimony. So I was praying in those times because I was scared. I was also praying for the classic things people, boys pray about, exams, passing your exams, kind of those sorts of things. But bit by bit, I walked away from praying because I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I just had a notion that there must be some kind of God out there. And, you know, I just didn't see enough answered prayer. I didn't feel his presence. And so I just went for what the world offered, which was kind of, you know, uh, surviving as a man. Um, the fig leaves of justification that we see Adam and they've dressed themselves in when they lose intimacy with the Lord, you know. So my fig leaves were, you know, Converse basketball boots, Levi jeans, kind of, I wanted a big fat watch. I wanted a big Rolex watch because I saw some of my friends inherit their father's Rolexes and that that was a status symbol. I wanted uh, women. I wanted to be able to show off the girlfriends that I had. All those sorts of things were ways to cover my shame or prove that I was winning in life. And that became the sort of life that I walked in. That th- Those became the gods I worshipped, God with a small g. And uh, a lot of hedonism along with that. So a lot of, you know, promiscuity, a lot of masturbation, a lot of... Um, getting drunk. And then I got into recreational class, uh, class A drugs. I started with cannabis and then ecstasy, speed, cocaine. And all of these things were cool. And, and on one level, they were kind of fun as well. When you first touch a lot of these things, they titivate the flesh yeah. and uh, some of that hedonistic stuff. And also they help you escape the pain. So with alcohol, they help you escape this, your shyness, your self-consciousness, your fear of what people think of you. Yeah. Um, they, they sort of take you into another realm that, that ultimately, I say fun, it's, it's more of a sort of escape from what's not fun. That's probably a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. It's a softening of the, of the reality of living in a fallen world without Jesus, yeah. without his presence. So you're su- here's the truth. You're outside of, of the tree of life. You're outside of the garden. You're outside of intimacy with the Lord. And so actually you're suffocating because you were built for the oxygen of his presence. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a quiet, slow suffocating, which the Bible really calls death, spiritual mm-hmm. death. Mm-hmm. The wages of sin is spiritual death. And as a result of that dis-ease, you are longing to kind of escape it. So you escape it and you numb it with whatever it might be, chocolate, food, yeah. popularity, the praise of man, yeah. um, drugs, everything from a sort of coca-cola right through to a cocaine hit depending on on where where you've got to and so that was kind of my story really right through university Uh, I tampered I thought about becoming an atheist because I think there was a side of me that was 
looking for truth, looking for integrity. And I realized that I was far from God, but I was slightly pretending to believe in God. Mm. So I was a sort of hypocrite. And I was like, well, maybe I should be an atheist because at least then I'm standing on something that actually holds me together with a bit more integrity. But then when I, I mean, I literally thought about atheism for about five minutes and thought, there's no way that I can make a declaration that I believe there's nothing. Like, I don't have faith for that. Not even close do I have faith to say that there is nothing. And not only that, I felt like it would require some anger that I didn't have. Like a, like a rebellious anger to say to really the God that I did know was there. I just didn't have time to think about him. Mm-hmm. You are not there. And I'm pinning those, those, that flag to my mask. Mm. felt like there was a lot of faith needed a lot of rebellion needed and some anger those that's just my thought and some of those i think there's a lot of truth in that but those are my thoughts 26 was the time when i really a lot of these idols that i was worshiping at began to just fall off the altars so after the university i was obviously thrust into the job world and for a man career job it's a very important thing it's a very sort of pertinent kind of foundational drive and I think there's a lot of good in that and you know we're made to work and and again to go back to the fig leaf covering you know you, a man like me at that stage who had a lot of insecurity I mean I, I I postured a lot in the false masculine I was kind of I knew how to play the games and I had a lot of outer shell performance structures that made me succeed in a way in the world but underneath there was a lot of fear and so there was a lot of ambition, a lot of drive when I, when I hit the, the workforce at about 22. I went into marketing and branding and the corporate world because I thought, well, if, I'm in, if I succeed in the corporate world, then I'll get a good wife. I'll sort of please my parents and family and socioeconomic group, friendship group, and I'll be okay. I'll, be, I'll survive. I'll carry on surviving. And also, you know, I, I, I wanted to work. I wanted to use some of my gifts, which were in the artistic and marketing communicating arena. So for me, marketing was my pick at that time. Advertising, I always loved creative adver- adverts and things like that. So I went into that. Uh, the internet was booming at the time. I was, in the, I was in the internet sector and kind of people were making millions, paper millions at least. And I, I wanted to make some money, which is not a bad thing at all. And then I, I found that pretty boring in the corporate lifestyle. I just wasn't ready. I wasn't, I wasn't, um, it wasn't right for me. So I went into film production and adverts and commercials and was working in Soho for a while, which, which very much took me deeper into some of the hedonism because the film world, you know, a lot of nightclub. I remember on the first day of work at this very uh, trendy, highly regarded production company in Soho, I'd landed this job. I'd done pretty well to land it with a bit of nepotism and a bit of just actually just just creativity and ambition. Anyway, that's another story. I don't want to digress. But I was offered cocaine off the boardroom table by the managing director. And I was stunned. I thought, God, and there were all these awards of, you know, film awards, two or three shells of gold. this, This was the top company, arguably. It's certainly the top three in London. And this guy offers me cocaine. I think, what am I to do? And I didn't take it. Um, I just couldn't do it. But it definitely was another hammer blow at sort of, okay, morality and, you know, integrity. And how do you win in this life? Who, how, how do you, what's the best way to maneuver? And so it wasn't good for my kind of hedonism being in film. The, the sexual promiscuity went up a few notches. Um, I started lying about receipts that, because I was a runner initially, I was getting these 
film directors like Thai green curries. And I was off to all these like trendy Soho curry houses and getting them these amazing things and sandwiches. And I would just add on my own lunch and things like that dishonestly. Mm -hmm. And so there was a bit of thieving going on. I kind of justified that by, you know, not earning very much money. And anyway, don't we, doesn't everyone kind of do a bit of that? And so a lot of my the sort of slide, the my, my, my integrity, my moral stance on a lot of things was just eroding, eroding, eroding. And about two years into that, this film director said to me, I was this guy I hero worshiped really. He was the, he, 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 I just wanted to be him. He turned around to me at a, at a pub one Friday night when we were hanging out and I was just thrilled that he was talking to me. He asked a few of us what we were doing for the weekend. And I said, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And then he sort of looked at me and he, he went, oh, you're probably going to one of your country houses, aren't you, kind of thing. In a really chippy, weird, insecure way and quite rude way. And I, it was like he, him, which was another idol, just crumbled in that moment. And I, I had this sort of wake up moment, this epiphany moment, which led me to do an alpha course of like, what on earth am I living for? What is going on? What is happening to me? what is the meaning of life? Like if I'm wanting to be this person, if I'm giving my heart and soul to this industry and this is what I see around me, what the hell is going on kind of thing. And so it was an existential spiritual crisis crossroads that effectively the Lord brought me to. Mm. And really I was his from that moment on. I mean, I did an alpha course, I was reading books and, but I was just pursuing truth at that stage. Mm -hmm. I was in, I ended up being, not fired, I believe I was fired from that job mm. because I stood up to the boss at that time who was a real tyrant and she was a bully. And, and I kind of stood up to her in my flesh in a way that wasn't good either. Like it, there was some anger there. There was some, some of my old ways of intimidation coming, coming through. And uh, I was told in nonsense terms to take this long holiday. So I was kind of fired slash. But that was also very humbling and very revealing of it gave me a real time in my life to go okay these castles in the sand that I've sort of been living in and built have come down let's start again and that was when Jesus took me by the hand and and just and I got saved and powerfully filled with the Holy Spirit on a alpha weekend the fire of God went through me and partly what I call the my second book firebrand because I was praying at the back of this barn and I didn't want to go forward for the altar call because I thought that was weird. And I, I didn't want anyone to lay hands on me. I didn't want any prayer like that. I didn't have a grid for that. And I just, but I did want God. And I just, I, my, one of my deepest fears is I'm going to be a Christian nut and my friends are going to hate me. And they were a massive part of my, my world. They were right up there with my source of life, you know, my false Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I thought the dawn that they love is going to be a nightmare to them. But I said, I just said to the Lord, I said, I don't care what it costs me. I need to know you. And I said, I repented. I said, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. And a hand, a physical hand, I was standing back to the wall, a physical hand touched my shoulder and fire went through me from the top of my body, right through liquid, spiritual fire, joy, love, peace, just like that. Then the hand lifted and the fire lifted. And I was kind of like rocked just undone, welling up with tears. And then the hand touched again and fire went straight through me. And it was the love of God and it was the peace of God. And I felt the father say, I've been waiting for you all this time. I'm so glad you've come home. Mm. Now, I didn't have any knowledge of Luke 15, the prodigal you know, story at that time. Um, in fact, I didn't really know it for another 18 months probably. But it was interesting that that was what I heard. You know, I've been waiting all this time. I'm so glad you've come. Yeah. 
and that was it you know just taken into the into the lord and into the things of the kingdom and well what i love dong is what you shared of your testimony so far that actually was then the foundation you know again in the book you then go on to talk about all these powerful encounters that you have with the lord mission work you know beginning to lead souls to the lord you know and all of that stemmed from this love that came crashing in in such a powerful way so it's like your relationship with the lord the reason why it's so fiery is because it is a relationship that has been built upon intimacy and power. I think, you know, you've seen God's transforming power at work in your life. Um, so I love, love your story. And I highly recommend people to read more of it in Firebrand. But what I do want you to share is because you mentioned earlier on that it took about 10 years after you got saved to kind of even realize that the stuff that happened to you when you were at school was actually satanic and you know so many of like your sexual journey I'm sure that much like me when you became a believer the Lord begins to renew your mind and you on the surface begin to take a u-turn and repent and do a 180 degree turn towards him and your behavior changes um so I can imagine you did begin to walk in purity but actually it's the work within that the Lord then begins to do where he begins to reveal the lies that we've believed about ourselves and really begin to reveal the truth to us and so I'd love for you to share about your sexuality in terms of you're saved now, you're evangelizing, you're doing internships, you're seeing supernatural works of God. Um, I also read in the book that, you know, you'd met Thea, who is now your wife, and then there was turmoil or turbulence 10 years before you actually got married. So talk to me about what the process of a mind renewal about sexuality and how that fitted in with you meeting Thea. Like, how did God begin to undo some of the crap that you had believed when it came to your sexuality and, and identity as one that's created for true intimacy? Yeah. Okay, I'll do my best. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so, like I say, when I was at school, um, some addictions came in around pornography and masturbation, objectifying women. So it was cool to objectify women. It was cool to talk about their breasts or their behind or whatever. And just that was who they were. Yeah. They didn't even have to have a name. It was just, you just called them after that. Mm. And so it, that was a total feeding of the lust of the flesh um, and primarily eros, you know, yeah. sexual perversion, the wrong version. That's what perversion is. It's the wrong version of what God intended. And also that was exacerbated by the shaming. So what shaming does is it makes you hide and it builds a stronghold, which you could call the shame, fear, control stronghold. So your heart hardens, you become ashamed because you're mocked in those moments of being uh, stripped naked. Um, also, as a male uh, going through puberty at school, all these questions about, am I going through puberty at the right time? I was teased about looking like a girl. Um, so I wasn't a man. I wasn't seen as a man. I wasn't called out as a man or blessed as a man. Um, I was shamed as not being a man. So there was a lot of shame that came in, which, you know, shame is the enemy of intimacy. Shame is the enemy of vulnerability. Shame is the enemy of being real, being who you really are. It's, it causes you to hide and it causes you to want to disconnect, not be intimate. It's the enemy of intimacy, shame. So as a result of that, porn is perfect because porn requires no intimacy. Mm. Porn is 
you're absolutely safe, you're absolutely in control of managing your sexual appetite, and you can look at whatever you want to look at. They don't talk back to you, the girls don't talk back to you, you don't know anything about them. So you're in this castle of control and objectifying yeah. women. You're actually also, this is a side note, but you're trading on the floor of lust and perversion and every demonic thing by going into that because it's a trading floor. It's a whole kingdom. Yeah. So you can't just say, well, I'm going to watch some porn and be okay. You're not. You're mm. sowing into the flesh. So you're going to reap destruction. Yeah. And praise God, he can break that yeah. when you come to the Lord and repent. He can break the so sowing and reaping. Mm. But some of that can even take time because yeah. you've already sown. So we really need the grace of God and the fear of God around this stuff because porn is very, very dangerous. Yeah. And uh, you're feeding into a whole system of, of sex trafficking, of abuse. Anyway, that's another issue. But that's where I was. It was normal. It was cool. It wasn't just normal. It was cool to be watching that porn, reading that porn. And so as a result of that, my relationships with women of my own age became dysfunctional because I was so caught up in what they looked like and whether they turned me on rather than being able to just see them as girls, as sisters who that's what they were meant to be sisters in the Lord, but they were, they were potential trophies or they were potential people you just cast away. It was awful. You know, there would be girls who I would look at who didn't meet certain criteria. And as a result, as a result of that, I basically bullied them. I might not have to their face gone, well, you're a dog, which, by the way, everyone called girls dogs at the school I was at and, 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 and either to each other in the kind of um, in the canteen or actually actually even to their faces, which was like, I can't even even thinking back. It's appalling. But that was just sort of normal. It was cool. It's part of the arrogance and the brokenness of that world. And so my relationships with girls weren't great. I mean, I was still, you know, the great, the common grace of God was on me. So there was still a conscience. I still had a conscience. I wasn't seared in my conscience. And I was still looking to obviously get on with girls and have fun and connect. And there was a side of my God-given nature that was connecting in a healthy way. But increasingly, um, it wasn't the right way around. So, you know, you'd get off with girls, you'd try and get as far as you could with them before you even knew what their favorite thing to do was like that wasn't even interesting and as a result of that and some of the lust that comes into that which you then spend or don't there's a shaming that comes there because sin leads to shame yeah. so when you go too far with someone and this was a, this started a cycle that went on from aged 15 right through to 26 so 10 11 years mm -hmm. um you have more guilt and more shame that comes in because you're not acting well you're not acting in God's righteousness around women. So you, so the cycle kind of gets, uh, goes deeper in you and this connection happens even more, etc. Also, I was, I, I was heartbroken. I, I fell in love with this girl um, at about the age of 17, 18, just deeply attracted to her, just had a real melt first love scenario. And we, uh, she liked me, I liked her, and we had about a month or two months of sweet spot first love. And then she just walked away, just never really gave a reason. Um, it was just really badly handled by her. She was obviously broken mm. and I could never work out what I'd done wrong. Mm. And I sort of inwardly blamed myself and took on probably more shame, uh, more rejection, 
and women from that point on became unsafe mm. to me although I didn't have the language for that and I didn't name it as that yeah my inner the sort of I don't necessarily have the right language for this, but I suppose my true self didn't own that and didn't receive who God says I am. I didn't, have, again, because I wasn't walking with God. So inwardly, I, there was a, some self-hatred and self-rejection, some rejection and shame that I clung to again. Mm. And actually, girls from that point on were either to be used yeah. or worshipped. It was those two. I either used them, one night stands, I became serial one night stander. Yeah. Um, like real addiction. I'd go to nightclubs by myself and just pull girls. Just, yeah. and I, I, so I was moving in seduction. I had seductive, I had a seductive spirit of seduction. I could pull people, you know, pull people like way too easily. Like it was, it was, it wasn't good. A lot of sort of charm and flattery and all of this sort of witchcraft really was operating through me. I had no, I had no idea that that was how it was working, but it just, I now do, I now understand it. And so they were either used, objectified, or I would put them on a pedestal and kind of worship them. And I, I didn't let them, wouldn't let them come close. And I would, I, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want them to be, to find out that they weren't perfect. And also I wouldn't want to be rejected. So there was a kind of twofold thing that, that led me to just not be able to um, have a relationship, a proper relationship. Mm. So that's kind of where I was at. And, you know, I even got into swinging and you know, the, thing is with, the thing is with addiction, the thing is with the lust of the flesh is that they don't stand still. You either go deeper or you repent. Yeah. That's how the spirit realm works. It's still the same. You either move forward with God yeah. or you backslide. Mm. The kingdoms don't stand still. And so, and we know that with, with, with addicts, you know, it starts with one drink, you know, drink is often the one talked about. And then it's two and then, you know, then you've got a bit of a drink problem. Then you're a full blown alcoholic. Then you're on the streets. It's the same with all of these, these lusts of the flesh. Yeah. They, um, there's no impartiality. Yeah. They, there's, you know, they, there's no forgiveness. Yeah. And so I wanted the next biggest hit on a number of things. Now, thanks be to God and the mercy of God. I tampered with some drugs, but I was never a big drug addict. Like I didn't really, it made me feel a bit sick. Um, I never had much of an appetite for it, but with sex, I did. And I remember getting a little bit into swinging and, you know, kind of like hooking up a bit like, actually, it's not that different from Tinder today, yeah. where you just, you know, you swipe right and suddenly you're meeting someone you never met. Mm -hmm. it, it was a bit like that. And um, I get, again, I come out of these encounters of, of addiction, of, of, the, of darkness, of the demonic, and I just feel disgusting gross and i'd be like what is it that's driving me down these roads again i didn't know i didn't have the language i just knew it was wrong i knew it had no life uh i knew all it carried was death the wages of sin is death mm -hmm. and you know bit by bit the lord was 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 awakening me to that conviction the fact that i needed forgiveness and of course that's when i got saved and Trying to, so when I after I got saved, that stuff gets carried in. Yeah, there is a deliverance. Of course, you're born again. You're given a new heart. So you straight away go to a very uh, heightened place of, comparably at least, of revelations. Like, yeah. wow, God is real. Sin is 
disgusting. You begin to hate sin. Mm. I slept with someone a week after I got saved because I didn't really know that that's not what you're supposed to do. Again, it was my awareness of the darkness and of the death in the, in the act was that much heightened. And, and very quickly, I repented of all fornication. In fact, probably about a, a week after that, I went and met with the pastor who helped me come to the Lord and asked him about it. And he, and he just showed me the word of God. Yeah. And because I encountered the Lord and because I knew he was real and I wanted him more than anything, he was my new reality. Mm. Uh, if he says that, then, then that's what I want. Yeah. And so that repentance and godly sorrow came in. And, and from then on, that was it. No more fornication. But it's been a long journey, if you like, of sanctification, purification, as you, as you mentioned, the renewal of the mind, being transformed by the renewing of my mindsets, the things that I think about myself learning to be loved, learning to receive the love of the Lord. So you mentioned intimacy. You know, that, that's the key, really. Um, I'll try and get into my, my beginning free of porn testimony. Um, so I took porn with me into my walk with the Lord and was constantly in a battle of like, uh, it was a lot It was a lot better than when I was in the world. In the world, I just did it because it was fine. The way it was, it was more hardcore because... As a Christian, you're sort of doing it, knowing it's wrong. And it's even more awful, the, the sense of shame, because you know it's wrong. And, and also your, your convictions are heightened. So it's, it's an interesting one. And um, there are two or three things that I would say, just to get really practical, I try and say to guys who are struggling with porn. The first thing is you need to hate it. Yeah. You, you, you need to come to a place where you go, do you know what? I hate that. I hate what it stands for. I hate what it does to me. I hate what it does to these women. Um, I hate how it carries out in my dysfunctional relationships with girls as well. Um, So there's a hatred of sin that comes in, which of course, really the Lord is the one who gives that. There's also a healthy connection with men, with other men and just with people generally. So again, I mean, I'm introverted by nature. I'm also quite good with people. I have a mix. There's a mix there, but I do. I do love. Um, I get a lot of strength from being alone. You know, um, solitude is the glory of being alone. Uh, loneliness is fear of being alone. And, and and I and I enjoy solitude. My my wife's actually gone gone away for three or four days, and I've spent most of it alone, and I've really enjoyed it. But there was also some unhealthy. Uh, not being connected to people because actually there's some shame there, some some rejections. So rather than find healthy connection by phoning up a male friend and saying, look, can we hang out? Can we talk about life? How's your heart? How's your journey? What's your inner world like? Sort of conversations that I've really only learned in the last six or seven years, maybe 10 years actually, but seven, eight, nine, 10 years. You know, for so much of my life, I wouldn't ask questions or talk about my own heart journey to even other men. It would be more superficial. So in a way, even in my conversation interacting, I wouldn't have the intimacy and connection that really I was made for. So I'd, I'd leave relationships, I'd leave times of hanging out with people with a, a sort of an unmet need of connection. And, and you know, ultimately we're, we're called to connect with the Lord. We're called to be loved by him, to be touched by him, to be filled by his spirit, to be held, if you like, in the, in the, by the loving arms of his presence. That is orthodox christianity that's the, the life of the spirit being filled with the spirit being baptized and dunked and immersed in the presence of god his love his peace his joy that is absolutely 
orthodox standard Christianity, which of course has been lost in great swathes of the church, but, and there's scripture for all of that. And that's our first, that's our first love. That's our first place of connection. That's, that's the first and great commandment, Jesus says in Matthew 22, to love him and be loved, to love him and with everything and be loved in every place. But then there's also a healthy outworking of that in the loving of our neighbor and the fellowship with friends. And so I, I, the other thing I say to people is get connected with men. If you have a, a, a porn addiction, get accountable with men get it could be porn it could be any of these other addictions but the 12 step does it well you know it's the fellowship thing where you you get known by people you say look this is what's happening i'm feeling depressed i'm feeling insecure i want to act out i want to numb and medicate on porn i can't bear it i can't sit in my skin i feel all these things i'm feeling and you tell people that and you connect in that realm you get prayer you bring the dark thoughts you bring the lies into the light and straight away, you're in a far better place to beat this thing. And then if you do act out, you do go to porn, you do go to whatever, uh, you get off with someone, you know, and don't ring them up or mistreat someone. You repent and you confess it and you be known in that situation rather than hiding. Mm. Shame, obviously, darkness thrives in shame. Mm. Darkness, sin thrives in staying hidden. So I say to people, get in a fellowship, get in something where you're really real with each other. You really share intimately your heart journey with those people trusted people two or three people maybe and i've done that i've done that with good friends and here's the third thing i say uh and this is really i think the most important so one time i was uh battling with pornography i was lonely um i couldn't get married i couldn't seem to find a wife you how much i tried and prayed like that just wasn't happening and um other stuff was beating on the, the, the my head, you know, this, the, the warfare of our thoughts. And and I was caught in a, in a cycle of, of pornography again. But I remember understanding the grace of God. I remember being given a revelation of the grace of God. And I'd be sitting in front of my computer, you know, the porn theater right there in all its disgusting darkness, you know, having just tried to meet that need, tried to numb that pain. And then the shame rushes in, the guilt, the desperation of all those spirits land on you in that place. And normally what I would have done in those moments is, you know, gone and had a shower, physically washed, and um, gone and tried to kind of bit by bit make my way back to God. Mm -hmm. So maybe a few hours later, tried to have a quiet time, or hang out with someone and do something normal, maybe even do some ministry. Trying to work my way back, cover the shame with activity, Mm. with again, the fig leaves of performance, really, religion. Mm. My own self-righteousness, actually. But in that that moment, I just said, come Holy Spirit. Mm. And I just got flooded with the presence of God in that moment of darkness. And really, you know, the, the Bible, the, the Gospels are full of stories like this, where Jesus would come to people in their mess. Yeah, totally. We have the woman at the well. We have the woman caught in the very act of adultery. But actually transferring that story to your own life yeah. is far harder yeah. than any of us appreciate. Yeah. 
because in our own story we don't we go well for that person of course you know particularly if it's on the page of the bible we're like yeah well you know that's the truth that's what the bible says well what about you if you were caught in the thing that you hate that you probably don't tell anyone about or maybe you tell one person but a lot of people listening to this they probably don't tell there are some things they don't tell anything Mm -hmm. it's rather sorry they don't tell anyone about that would Jesus come to you in that place and touch you and touch, well, just leave it right there and touch you. Mm-hmm. In other words, the Holy Spirit touch you, bless you, heal you, deliver you, hold you, not condemn you. Mm-hmm. Neither do I condemn you. Mm-hmm. Go and sin no more. You know, he doesn't, he, he meets us where we're at. He doesn't leave us there. Mm-hmm. You know, the very, uh, for me, the very, deliverance happens in the declaration neither do i condemn you it's that free gift of righteousness romans 5 17 that free gift of his righteousness bestowed upon us and the abundance of grace that is given to us that enables us to reign in life mm. the victory comes in the free gift the victory comes in the receiving the victory comes in the I condemn you Mm. how can we go and sin no more by standing that and it's a journey but you know some of these things are dramatic deliverance that was a dramatic repentance for me it was a repentance it wasn't a lot beating the chest repentance it was a repentance of he can come to me here he's not disgusted by what's just happened it's his business it's not that he likes sin he hates sin but he loves me Um, and he wants to meet me in it and so again intimacy yeah that place of intimacy, fostering a life of intimacy, in the end, going out with theatre, to ask the last part of your question, when we started going, out, well, really when we got married, when it became about physical sex, mm-hmm. I think um, I have to tread carefully here because I want to, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Thea probably wouldn't, Thea's very um, open. She's probably more, well, we're probably, I don't know who's more open about talking about, it. we both talk about our, our stuff quite a lot. She has a ministry called, I am so many things and she's very for anyone listening she she's very open about her journey out of eating disorders very transparent so so maybe one day we'll 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 talk talk together on this topic but but for me I can speak for myself coming out of a lifestyle of sexual perversion promiscuity fornication you know masturbation objectifying women all of this stuff which by the way let's just remind ourselves a lot of that's quite normal now, normal white middle class, well, it's not everything white, but English sort of middle class behavior, it's seen as normal, almost like you're being healthy, like that's a healthy, you know, you'd be, yeah. you know, like that was, ju- that was junk. So when we, when we went into the, the bedroom, I was scared. Mm. I was really scared. I didn't know how to do this. Yeah. I always knew to run away once I'd had the act. I couldn't, I had no run. I was married and it was really uh, scary, uh, confusing at quite a deep level. Yeah. And, and, and you know, on, on, on one level, I, I think sex, the first night of marriage and whatever, when you start, is that for probably a lot of people. Yes. I think the, le- the, more, the more you've gone God's way, yeah. the better you are. And actually, that is Thea's testimony. Mm. She came in a virgin and she was... Um, very unbroken in that area i was broken Mm. and she was very gracious with me and very the lord was gracious with us and um 
learning to be loved and learning to be intimate physically and known uh, emotionally and as a person and mixing those two realms the emotional and the physical was a healing process yeah. was a large part of the shame was actually broken in that intimacy that combined those combined intimacies yeah. which of course is god's way yeah. and um god's blessing and uh i'm so glad in a way that a lot of my deliverance and freedom from this stuff was dealt with before we got married some of it's been dealt with as we've got married yeah but a lot of it was dealt with before uh, I'm so grateful in a way. I mean, as you say, I, I, I met Thea in 2004, October 2004. We got married January 2016, so almost 12 years later. And the day I met her, I felt God say, this is going to be a wife. So it took 12 years of like, oh, that's a long story. Uh, but God sovereignly brought us. We went out for two and a half years uh, when she was 16, which caused a real stir at church and we fell in love and then she ended the relationship and we spent another seven years apart and uh oh, it was full on but but it but the law was doing something in those wilderness years and um uh yeah i have a real passion to see men of god raised up i have a real passion to see um sexual purity i know you, you really carry this more than anyone i know we've got to have it back yeah. it's so key to the gospel yeah. the mystery of the gospel is revealed in our sex lives mm yeah wow and when we play around when we don't get this right as the church we compromise with the enemy eats our lunch and this is happening across the board particularly with men and women you know just the the the, the goalposts are being moved you know the the word of god's being thrown out because it's not popular because it's offensive because it's politically incorrect because it's not woke whatever mm. you know people are are basically having to you know update the bible because otherwise they'll lose their jobs no no that, that's the devil. That's the father of lies, yeah. tempting, obviously, the world, but the church. We're the ones who have to be holy. We're the ones who have to preach the truth in love, obviously, yeah. but nevertheless, preach the truth. Pick up our cross, yeah. preach the gospel, set the captives free. People aren't going to be set free unless we preach Mm-hmm. the full gospel unless we preach the real gospel unless we preach the cross unless we preach repentance from sin yeah. the truth sets free nothing else yeah and so i'm passionate to see the church repent first of all of their own sin of their own compromise yeah. of their own man fearing and man pleasing we've all done it yeah. we need the fear of god back we need the reverential fear of god reverential fear of his word mm-hmm. we need to um get all of our all of that stuff needs to come out into the surface all of our sexual sin our hidden sin all of, and, and as and as that happens we're going to be set on fire we're going to have testimonies we're going to be able to preach with some authority jesus preached with authority mm-hmm. because he'd walked through something mm-hmm. and um and also he was just filled obviously i mean possessed by the holy spirit without measure and that 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 anointing that uh, ministry is available to any of us mm-hmm. But we've got to go to these uncomfortable places. Yeah. So we've got to face these fears. It's it's not comfortable. We've got to come into the light, sons of light, not walking in darkness, and get free, get delivered up. And um, it's going to be amazing. You know, people need this. They need it. And the enemy is a bit like, I've been talking to Thea about this. We've been talking, you know, it's nothing new, but he's a bit like that 
that little dwarf that sits behind the curtain in The Wizard of Oz. You know that picture of that little, um, is it a dwarf? It's someone, this small little man who's kind of pulling the strings of this massive show of like wow. intimidation and fear. Like that's who the enemy is. And so the church is kind of on the back foot and, and, and not um, standing up and being who she's called to be. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, um, we need to encourage each other and just go for it. Yeah. Just get out there and preach the gospel. Yeah. Gosh, Dom. <laughs> my head and my heart is about to explode. Like you have oh, dropped so many truth bombs. I definitely... I felt the presence of the Lord so strong when you were ministering about how you got delivered from porn and, you know, the Lord not condemning, but actually coming alongside us in our brokenness and actually delivering us from that place of intimacy. So I do want to say to anyone who's listening, like, don't just skim over that part of this podcast. Like, literally, you need to go back and you need to sit in that moment of this podcast and let the Lord use the words that Don was releasing to really minister deliverance to you. So please go back to that part of the podcast. And then um, Don, all the different things that you've, that you've touched on, like I have got so many things that I want to unpack, but we are running out of time. We are going to have you and Thea back because I want to talk about Jesus Fields. I want to talk about The Stand. I want to talk about, these are all ministries that Dom leads. And then I am so many things that Thea and Dom lead. Like there is so much pulsating in this couple, in this family that is so pioneering and so part of what God is doing in this moment. So I want to unpack all of that. Um, but for now, Dom, what I would love to have you pray into before we close, um, you've kind of addressed it in terms of we need to preach the gospel, we need to be bold, we need to be uncompromisingly truthful. But when I think of like, gosh, there's just so much. When I think of the young men that are growing up in public schools, that's the only world that they know, you know. When I think of social media and just like for example one of the reasons I had you even come on this podcast is because of your response to the Harry Styles post that went out when he you know wore a, a, an evening gown I think it was on the cover of Vogue I don't remember what magazine it was but you know this actual breakdown of masculinity in our culture and I know what you said about us standing firm and being about the kingdom but I actually want you to pray for men for those that have gone through the kind of life that you went through those that are in boarding school those that are you know caught up in this worldly race trying to be someone that they're not how do we really give space to the Lord to touch their hearts so pray over men as we close hallelujah thank you Lord thank you father for who you are. Thank you that you're our Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you know everything about us, that, Lord, everyone right now who's listening to this, you know all about them. You know all about what they've walked through. You know all about the things that they hate about themselves or they're ashamed of, Lord. You've seen the trauma. You've seen the abuse. Lord, you've seen things that have happened in people's lives that maybe they think were kind of normal, but actually you would... You, that broke your heart that was abuse that was sin and um lord thank you that you love us just as we are thank you they're not intimidated or scared of this stuff yeah and lord i pray that you you would minister truly into these deep places lord i pray that you'd bring people around uh, everyone 
Lord, you'd, you'd show people who they're to connect with, Lord, at a deeper level, who they're to walk with, which which are their main guys, which are their main girls, their main brothers, their main sisters, Lord. Show them safe places. Lord, teach your church um, transparency and vulnerability, Lord. Teach your church being real, Lord. Let's be real, Lord. Let us bring our stuff and give us courage in that area, Lord. I do pray also, Lord, your word says the goodness, kindness of God leads us to repentance. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness, Lord, in that, particularly in the cross. Lord, let that bring us to repentance. And Lord, also I pray for a hatred of sin to be imparted, Lord, a hatred of evil. Lord, I think of one friend of mine who said to me when his wife uh, called for the divorce because he'd been unfaithful. This is a Christian couple leading in ministry, both of them. He said to me, Dom, I wish I'd hated sin. Mm. This was having to face divorce. That was his, I've never forgotten him. Look at me. And he looked me in the eye and he said, I wish I'd hated sin. Oh, God, would you teach us, Lord? Yeah. Lord, Lord, mature your church. Let us see, Lord, the beauty of holiness, Lord. Let us get a, an appetite again for the beauty of holiness, Lord. May we be one to hate evil, who hate sin, Lord, because it kills, steals, and destroys. Yeah. Lord, I pray, let salvation, healing, and deliverance come by your word, Lord, by the power of your spirit, Lord, by the power of your cross. I release the power of the cross. I release the kingdom of God to everyone listening, Lord. And I, and I say, be healed in Jesus' name. Yeah. Father, I also do particularly pray for men right now. Yeah. And I affirm, Lord, let them be affirmed as men. Yes. Come Lord, on. I break off shame and intimidation and every demonic, unclean spirit that would have them hide, that would have them uh, water down their masculinity, that would have them apologize for being men. Lord, that... That, that spirit of control, that witchcraft spirit in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you and I break your power. And we say no more in Jesus' name. And I declare freedom to you. I declare freedom to every part of you to, to walk forward as a man of God, to own your masculinity, to own who you are in God, to own your sonship in Jesus' name. And at the same time, because it's the same issue with women as well, mm -hmm. I call you as women of God. I call you out. As beautiful, wonderful women of God, different from men. And I bless you to be a sister and a daughter and, and a woman of God. Wow. Yeah. Lord, thank you for the realignment um, you can do by your spirit and by your word. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And Lord Jesus, I just thank you for Dom here today. I thank you for the way that you have moved, sweet, sweet Saviour King. Thank you that all this is only possible because of your love and that your love truly does break every chain. And I thank you for this entire season, Lord Jesus, the way that you have just, um, yeah, just led and pulled out your mercy and revealed your kindness and showed up with your intimacy and just all that you've been doing that we're not even aware of, Lord. And so we just thank you. We thank you for the incredible fruit that's going to come out of this entire season. And we thank you, Jesus, that many, many, many are going to come to know you um, because of this 
podcast and uh, many are going to come to know you off the back of what Don has shared today, Jesus. And we just declare true intimacy, true intimacy over this generation. We say that this is a generation that will reject counterfeit intimacy, that they will pursue Amen. true intimacy with you, with Jesus, that this is going to be a pioneering generation, that this is going to be a generation that will refuse to settle for anything less than true intimacy with you and so we break the hold of every counterfeit intimacy and we thank you Jesus that you take your place as the lover of our souls in Jesus name I pray amen 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 Wow, Dom, let me just get you to share super quick um, about your different ministries. I want people to be able to reach out to you and Thea. Um, so tell us quickly about the stand, Now Believe, Jesus Fields, um, and how to get in touch with you or Thea um, with I Am So Many Things. Yeah, great. Thank you. Well, we have jesusfields.com is our website, although I don't update it very much. Uh, Jesus Fields Community Group on Facebook. There's more information there. That's more kind of live. Jesus Fields Community Group. Out of that ministry, which is rooted in a charity called Now Believe, the mother charity of all that I do is nowbelieve.com. Jesus Fields is kind of the outward missional arm. We have this thing called The Stand. It's a new thing. It's about getting out on the streets and doing church without walls. Amazing. So uh, this last weekend we were in Yeovil and we were out on the streets, uh, had live worship, preaching of the gospel, sharing of testimonies and praying for people, honoring social distancing and all of that kind of thing. But nevertheless, gathering and doing church, which is um, it was such an exciting thing. You know, people need to hear that, hear the gospel and need to encounter God more than ever in this time. So we do that. And again, that information is pumped out through the, the community group. But also my personal Facebook, uh, which is Dominic Leo Muir on Facebook. Uh, you can find that from us there. And then I Am So Many Things is IamSoManyThings.com. And uh, you'll see um, more of Thea there. And I highly recommend that ministry. We're actually bringing out a book on uh, a 12-week course uh, called True Identity. Discover who you really are in the next few months. So watch this space for that. Mm. But yeah, we would love to connect with you, please. Um, friend us on 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 that facebook stuff write to our uh, email you can um email uh, now me at nowbelieve.com or try info at i'm so many things.com many thanks amazing amazing and then your two books where can people buy firebrand and firebrand um you can go to jesusfields.com mm -hmm. and you go to the books section uh, there's an email uh, i think it's also on kindle uh, God Hunger is on Kindle and on Amazon. So, yeah. Amazing. Dom Muir, thank you so much for being on today's podcast. It has been phenomenal. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for the honour. And uh, you, you, you've been a super host. So I'm hugely grateful and I'm excited to see what God does through it. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. All related social media handles and links can be found in the notes section. If you did enjoy today's episode, then please do feel free to share it and do subscribe to the podcast if you want to know when a new episode is heading your way. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do that via Instagram or Facebook, or you can head over to livinginlight.co.uk. I cannot wait to be with you guys again, and thank you so much for listening to the Living in Light podcast. Because you're beautiful, so beautiful.